You fly through the strange otherworldly realm and connect with the shard of your memory, the shard of your memory that becomes part of you. It slots into you. It adds itself to what you already have and you gain new insight into who you are. You gain a sense of some new previously forgotten things that fall into place. You remember. You remember some cool, cool stuff, I'm sure, but I don't know what that cool stuff is because you're going to tell me, Stephen. You're going to tell me. How are you? I'm well, thank you. All the memories are flooding back. Thanks, Morg. All the memories. <laughs> so we are joining Leap right after his uh, visit to um, Thunder Tree with the Spooky Dragon and um, the guy who was a kind of warlock and was being a bit of a dick to the others and and there was all that dynamic going on in the group that you were part of and the apprentice sorcerer uh yes yep that's right and then there was the, uh, that whole thing with the um giant sphinx from the end of time showing up and scaring the crap out of cam your demon friend so there were there were a bunch of things that happened and um it was an interesting journey as as you uh Casting your memory back, kind of from the point of view of, of Leap, what what stands out from that? What would be the major elements that are hanging in Leap's memories from uh, what was going on there? Oh, definitely. I mean, the Sphinx is a big riddle, right? Like, it's why is it there? Who is it? What's it doing? Why is Cam so afraid of it? Sphinx's riddle, I'll call it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a big one. Uh, I think the nature of the the quests is sort of getting a bit. I don't know if if, if Leap quite sees a pattern, but he's picking up the harmony thing is quite like sometimes it's literal and sometimes it's 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 more obtuse. Uh, starting to see that all right, so it's about harmony. So he'll be kind of looking for, um, probably for harmony wherever he can find it. I expect. Mm. Um. Uh, and but he, you know, feeling pretty confident, he's managed to um, navigate a few few ways by now, and he's outsmarted a dragon. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> also notices <laughs> that, um, well, thinks he outsmarted a dragon. Probably doesn't realize how close he got to <laughs> being eaten by a dragon or being smooshed. <laughs> um, also, probably paying quite a bit of attention to, or at least in the back of his mind. Um, that the uh, people he leaps into um, have some kind of effect on him. Now, whether that effect lingers or not, or if it's just for the duration, it's not yet clear. But um, yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah, there's, there's there's definitely some kind of contagion, contamination. Those those words sound mm -hmm. um, unpleasant in a way that it's not, it's not that. More like is it sharing? Is sharing a maybe better better way for what's going on? Or is it contagion or contamination? I don't know. Um, I can definitely point you towards the uh, resolution of um, your time in uh, Osborn and the harmony that um, you were sensing that was coming together at the end, freeing up that memory, was the harmony in Oswin's um, kind of commitment to the group or sense of safety in the group that he was part of once the uh, unpleasant guy 
<laughs> but Jerry was uh, no longer disrupting the well-being of the group. Uh, that seemed to satisfy whatever um, trouble was inside Oswin and, and achieved harmony and released that memory. So it was a very kind of personal group dynamics fixing that you needed to do in that case. I'm looking forward to sort of when we get to Adventure 115 and you're like just reaching literally for like, look, you got to find the right combination of notes to leap. That's <laughs> you got to get the right combination. I'm out of ideas. Yeah. Get the band to play the right notes and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. So um, what we're going to do now is find out what that memory is. As always, I'm going to put a big chunk of this creative uh load on you follow your instincts and your um just your your best best guesses and coolest ideas i'm going to give you a little prompt that's going to be rolled up in my little table right now and you can feed that in as much or as little as you want as well as all of the distinctive things that were surrounding that memory shard in that last adventure and then you just want me to read from the from what you've got on the screen or yeah that's right that's right i've typed up everything you need to say including this yeah, bit sure. <laughs> well um this is an interesting prompt because i was thinking as, as we were going in that like the last three of your memories all in some way had uh violence at the heart of their theme and so there was this message coming through of leaps connection with a violent life and i was thinking maybe this time Steve will take it in a different direction. But unfortunately, the prompt that I've rolled is hitting someone who isn't expecting it. So it's <laughs> <laughs> is, is, um, in some way encouraging a continued exploration of this theme, although who knows what you're going to do with it. Um, <laughs> who knows, indeed. <laughs> well, it's actually, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier that all of the um, memories were flooding back and that this, this one sort of feels pretty clear. Um, there's a, a spot on, on a beach um, and it's, it's kind of this, this like golden sand beach um, that just goes for miles. You can see it in either direction and there's no one on this beach. Um, and it's a golden sandy beach uh, and, um, but the weather is sort of gloomy uh and and so there's a bit of there's a bit of wind and 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 the waves are sort of uh, acting up a bit i guess and um sort of with the start with a bird's eye view and this beach is completely empty but there's a spot where um just between a dune and a little uh inlet to the beach where a tributary from a sort of a dying creek falls into the water um you see a um uh well it's, it's a it's, it's a figure and this figure is is sort of sitting uh there with with a with a, a cloak and and the cloak is looking out into the into the into the ocean uh, into the water um and the the figure is holding a staff, and the staff is sort of placed upright, you know, into the into the beach, sort of trying, you know, think of quite a sort of a wizardly look, like you'd expect in some kind of Tolkien or Enya video. And um, 
uh it's just just you can sort of there's a pause and you can just you can feel the pints of um uh the the desire the the calm the 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 anticipation and the peace in that moment um and then sort of taken zoom zoom out a little bit and you see this other figure creeping up behind them and this figure sort of crawling but well not crawling crawling on on, on hands and knees and then sort of um as as they get about 10 meters away um stands up and and sprints at the figure in the hood and spear tackles them to the ground and then picks up some sand and just like throws it in the back of the hood and then like just pours as much sand into the hood as, as possible and you see um when the hood comes down you see that these two people are well they they, they could be they could be twins um uh, and and actually um they they probably could be twins you know they're similar age one is um uh the one in the hood is is is, is a female and the one and and um the one who did the tackling to you know that was that was leap so leap um leap, uh and and took over and so you can just see it from leap's perspective now the the figure was kind of blurry and didn't, you know you saw the you saw the tackle but then you saw the tackle from leap's perspective um and so um guess that means you don't really see the figure who you're also attacking but you get a sense that actually they're so familiar and they seem so familiar to you that they you, you there is that re- there is that real sense that leap has a as a familial twin like bond with them and um she picks up her staff and sort of thumps leap over the head um you know in a in a playful way but in a way that says just get get the hell off me <laughs> you know um <laughs> And then and then leap throws more sand and then this um i think this the figure just shoves the this, this stuff into the sand and then a, a bolt of i guess um charged light comes out and hits leap on the shoulder and sort of realizes okay <laughs> maybe it's too far <laughs> and then um uh and then you sort of See, just leap, pull, reach down into his cloak, um, to the sleeve of his cloak, and pull out a um, uh, a bottle of wine, and um, sits down on the beach and pulls out a cork and has a sip, and then offers some to. Well, this person who seems so familiar to him. Yeah. Well, I only have one question. As you leap in your memory, sit sharing wine with this person who could well be Leap's twin, although, again, never quite know. Things can always be twisted. There can be mistakes. There can be other things. But it's, let's, call, um, let's call it Leap's twin for now. Sitting, sharing wine with Leap's twin, looking out over the water. What do the two of you see in or on or above the water? that changes the mood of this memory there is a um so staring out i guess on the water 
there's kind of a there, what becomes clear is that one of the reasons you come to this beach of the reasons that we come to this beach is for the light show that happens over the water sort of at a certain time of um year and and it's something that we feel like only we know about when we come and we watch this it's like a, a localized aurora borealis or aurora australis for those of us in the uh, southern uh, hemisphere and um and this is sort of like greens and blues and purples and violets and all sorts of things but then um as we're sort of just watching it and drinking the wine um uh, the, the lights shatter and just split um and 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 go dark they're still there but they're dark um and they're more um wrong and distorted and, and twisted and um i look at my companion's face and her face is also distorted and twisted and 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 appears shattered and that's when the memory stops oh my lord wow that's an amazing end of the memory you come flying out of that memory um i imagine that there are a bunch of emotions swirling around in your leap what's what's the emotion that's right at the surface as you kind of come back to yourself kind of a, like a, a horror like a almost not body horror type sort of feeling where it's like oh, yeah. that's yeah sort of a memory of just like utter yeah revulsion from having something you love be so distorted yeah yeah i believe it you're um kind of processing that memory time time is so weird in this place you don't know how long you're coming out of that state of horror you've you've was it hours was it seconds since you had that memory but you're in the space and there are um kind of clouds and curves surrounding you and you see the sparkle of memory of those shards of your own memory flying past going through a portal and as you see the memory go through a portal you see it's not actually one memory it's a tightly packed crowd of three three memory shards orbiting each other and they fly through this portal just out of reach. You start leaping from curve to curve, from shape to shape, from cloud to cloud, getting close to this portal. And you're almost there. It's time for you to make one more leap and see what you can uncover. Um, I'll let you take us out. Leap, if there's anything else that you want to say or describe as you make your final move in this little scene. I think just as, as, as Leap's going through that last portal feels a bit a bit fragile and a bit like this this is okay, things could go wrong. <laughs> this this isn't right. Brilliant. Thank you, Stephen. That was amazing. As always, um have a good few days until we record again. You have a good few days. Welcome to our fourth Dungeon Leap interlude. That was Stephen Youngblood as Leap. I'm Morgan Davy, the Dungeon Master. We have just concluded our visit to the adventure from the D&D starter set, The Lost Leap of Fandelver. Some bad news for this episode. We actually recorded a whole bunch of adventuring with Armalus and Bonnie and Oswin playing through their first encounters with Jerry before Leap appeared. And uh, we saw exactly how we steered them off the established path of the Fandalver adventure. So they were in Thunder Tree and way out of their depth. 
um, but I can't find the file anywhere. I think I must have deleted it and I'm gutted. It was um, cool. There was great stuff in there. But, 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 our amazing players, they brought the magic as they played. All of the big stuff in that backstory was woven into what you did here. So you're not really missing out on anything important, just cool stuff. Sorry, guys. All right, ahead in this episode, I talk with Zero and Jared and Reagan about their characters, their fandellas, and the meaning of life. Well, maybe not the last one. Hooray, I'm here with Zero, and we are going to just have a little chat about the Lost Leap of Fandelva and other related stuff. And while we've been setting up this call, Zero's been flipping pages looking for relevant notes from our gaming time together, and you did find a note. What was the note that you found? It was it was a note that I actually held up to the camera because when we were recording the podcast, we all had our cameras on, and the only note I could find was when I held up to the camera when we first encountered the dragon cultists. I think, fuck, marry, kill, dragon? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Which was very appropriate to the uh, the deadly serious way that we ran the dragon cultists and. In uh, our run through of <laughs> Lost Mine of Fandelva's Thunder Tree scenario. So, that, that of course, is a um, scenario from the Dungeons and Dragons starter set for fifth edition. A lot of people have had their own experiences with that adventure, and you have as well. Um, Sarah, could you, could you tell us about your first time as a player? I think you said it's your first time ever as a player, which led you to the Dragon of Thunder Tree. How did that all go down? Was that right? Have I got those details right? Well, we could say it was by. Point fifth time as a player because I'd I'd played a little bit of three point five over Google Hangouts with a couple of people just a a few sessions but that never went anywhere and then I found a group online so I didn't even know these people um we recorded we we did it live over Discord and we first encountered the Green Dragon and we ended up um giving him some weed and getting totally stoned with this green dragon man and he thought we were really cool and we thought he was really cool and he gave us some of his loot. So I got a um a battle axe of of warning, which is really weird when you're playing a little halfling character, which is what I was doing, a little halfling character who was a bard, I think. He ended up taking a level in barbarians so we could justify me having a little battle axe of warning. It was quite funny. <laughs> was uh, smoking up with various monsters a, a standard tactic that was used in that group? Um, well, we had acquired the weed earlier, um, but I can't remember where, because this was way back in 20, early 2017 when I first started playing for realsies. Um, but, I mean, it made sense because he was a green dragon, you know, weed's kind of green, and you just want to smoke the leaf with the green dragon. <laughs> and he, uh, was a, he was portrayed as a teenage dragon with, the, you know, a little, not really the emo-ness, but a little bit of that stereotypical teenage type rebellion <laughs> wanting to be cool kind of thing so we just oh yeah that. <laughs> i think um there's there's some fascinating lessons to be learned for for um dungeon masters who are getting into the game listening to different actual plays and their different takes on 
the Lost Mine of Fandalver and and particularly kind of this dragon encounter. It's it's kind of an iconic moment in the scenario. It really stands alone. And there's so many different ways that the players can approach it and so many ways that the GMs can approach it. So you everyone you listen to is going to be quite different to all the others. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, thank you very much, Zero, for joining us in Dungeon Leap and um, for playing Bonnie Bell Pepper, another small character, a gnome this time. Um, what, can you tell us anything about, about Bonnie? Any any particular thoughts about what you were hoping to experience and what you ended up experiencing with her? I think I, I like most of my characters, I don't really make up too much in advance. And I don't know if you were watching to the um, Google document that was set up in advance for, for Steve and Philippe. But it has a little bit of information on our characters, like what he visually sees or might notice. And I was, while we were recording, I was still making changes to that. So um, she was a work in progress. And um, But I quite enjoyed just going with the whole idea of she doesn't believe in one god because there are obviously multiple gods. So she'll believe in all of them and just invoke whatever one she wants or feels she needs at the time and she does that by having a ring of keys and each key is associated to a different god or to a different um cleric spell that she needs kind of thing i i think i all she wanted really was for everyone just to get along and for everyone to be happy and included and i probably played her a, a bit too like an annoying politically correct person um, <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved but what, those aspects when they came through. <laughs> but what surprised me was um, that um, um, Reagan's character, Armalus, uh, was crushing on her. I was kind of like, after the first recording, I was like, hang on, is he kind of crushing on her? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's so weird. That doesn't usually happen in my characters. They're usually the ones crushing on people. And wow, it's never been initiated the other way first. This is this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I I love the dynamic with with uh, Bonnie and Amalus as it unfolded over those those episodes. That was that was just really pleasant and a and a group dynamic that was very very broken <laughs> in that group. It was nice that there was kind of one relationship that um we could we could lean on as as listeners <laughs> as something that's good and and kind of um not stressful to listen to that was that was choice i i hope that the listeners were shipping them as well i mean that's what we need you know we always want a um a, a happy couple in the end even if one of them thinks that their dad probably will not approve of the little gnome girl that he's going to bring home to her kind of thing. But, you know, he kind of does have those feelings and feels like he should pursue them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I just thought that everything about Bonnie during this adventure was just really fun and you added so much to everything that was happening. Thank you, Heap Zero, for that. Um, mm. But... Uh, your guest appearance with us is uh, just a taster for the kind of cool stuff that you're getting up to with gaming because you do a whole bunch of other gaming, other kinds of games aside from D&D. &D. Uh, give, us, give us the little spiel about what you're doing and then I'll ask some more questions and we can find out more about it. But what's the, what's the elevator pitch? Okay, well, I kind of have 
two or three things that I kind of do. Uh, one of them that's on hiatus at the moment is kind of on long-term hiatus, but it is a podcast called Red Gate and Wolf. It's a Monster of the Week actual play podcast. Um, the the game itself, the TTRPG itself, was created by a New Zealander known as Michael Sands, and he's awesome. Uh, but that's essentially a Scottish werewolf and a uh, crooked and sassy thief end up fighting monsters, um, hunting them, rolling dice and bickering, all in a fictional American town named after Jimi Hendrix. And and that's that's a lot of fun. Um, but yes, it's mainly two players, but we often bring in guests to join us for each mystery. And I've had a lot of fun of that, but like I said, it's on hiatus at the moment. The other big thing I do is I run a a Twitch stream called Zero um, Does Stuff. And it's basically me doing stuff, and it's mostly TTRPG things. So in some cases, it's me interviewing a, a TTRPG creator or a game master. But for most sessions... It's usually a TTRPG one-shot that's Monster of the Week has been a common one in there. We've had Brindlewood Bay. We've done a little bit of Dungeons and & Dragons. And we've done, what else have we done? We've done Kias, which is a New Zealand-made uh, mini-game. and oh, which yeah, is hilarious. We, Kias. <laughs> yeah, we, right. we, we, we were Kias and we stole a helicopter from Doc. Go for that. Um, hilarity so if you're, if you're not a New Zealander, Ikea is um, kind of one of these notoriously tricksy, it's like a native parrot that tears things apart and obeys no rules and gets to all kind of mischief. And that's in real life. So the game version is, oh. is probably not too far beyond the, um, the, yeah. the norm there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure real Kias would have better piloting skills than we did because we, we crashed. <laughs> Um, and we've also played Duck Quest a number of times. So, so yes, there's that thing, which is really cool. And um, I've made a couple of Monster of the Week mysteries, which are published and available on DriveThruRPG or on itch.io. And, yeah, that's that's all I've got in there at the moment. Everything else is kind of secret and coming up soon. So watch this space. Yeah. It's um, it's really cool. I love I love. Um, just the range of stuff that you seem to be involved in. And um, I was lucky enough to make a guest appearance in one of your uh, streamed games, a Monster of the Week game, which was was really fun. And it seemed to me from there that you, you like, have a network of other streamers and you've been making making kind of connections throughout that world which i'm i'm pretty ignorant about um speaking personally so it was just really cool to see how you just seem to have this big network of people and they all like each other and support each other and um yeah. kind of there's there's just a real loving energy in in that game that i thought was really really amazing so um yeah check out zero does stuff there'll be links in the notes um yep. yeah awesome all right. I think that's probably a good chat for us. So we will sign off, Zero. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm here with Jared Baker, and uh, we are able to talk, and there's birds tweeting in the background because you're you're recording from outside, an outside position. Is that right, Jared? That's right. I'm on the I'm on I'm on the on on the deck um, at my in-laws' house in a kiwi fruit orchard in Pangaroa, just just uh, just south of Tapuki. 
Um, it's uh, just gently running behind me, and um, <clears throat> Morg, you can you can probably see over my shoulder. So that across across that's across um, a river from us. That's across the Kaituna River. Um, and those that's a kiwi fruit orchard, uh, not a kiwi fruit orchard. That's an avocado orchard across across Ooh. the other side of the river. So all of the major yeah. fruits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's um, my my uh, stomach is mysteriously rumbling, even though I've eaten just ridiculous <laughs> amounts of food over the last few days of uh, post Christmas excess. Um, that's amazing. Well, Jared, um, as I look at your smiling face, I can see written in the corner of the little video box is the the name Jerry Mountebank, who was yes, um, the character that you were you were tormenting leap with and what's just going down now when we we were coming up with the situation that steven would be faced in this adventure i remember you might remember differently but my recollection is that you were the one who kind of had the brainwave that we should have this character who was um kind of overpowered and and didn't fit in and various <clears throat> problems would um spin out of that which which is of course a genius idea um yeah tell me tell me about your hopes and dreams for the character of Jerry Mountebank and what it was like bringing him to life. Yeah, well, I mean, we, I, I guess we didn't we didn't quite an, anticipate exactly how, like, because when we first conceived of it, it was like, and it came off the back of I think one of the, um, like, one of the crossover events we all, um, what I ended up participating in on 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 Diceratops' behalf, where it was like everyone roll up. Level twenty characters, and I was like, "What if? What if it was that person? You know, leading um, a whole lot of uh, you know level level one newbies into <laughs> into an ill-advised battle." Um, but then <laughs> I think where we where we we landed was some, somehow even even better because it was still someone who was out of their depth, but just you know that that whole idea of of someone who was. Um, just experienced enough to know that the <laughs> um that the that, that things that things were going awry when they were faced with a you know with a green dragon and <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I was um I loved how you were playing Jerry you um like he was obviously a uh, a destabilizing force in the group in lots of ways but he he wasn't he wasn't awful you never kind of took the easy route of just making him outright reprehensible uh, there was there was quite a sympathetic character in there and his his choices were kind of always making sense there was a real kind of principled approach that you took to him and i think that's that's how we ended up running through to like four episodes which is our longest story so far because mm. it, there wasn't an easy solution to the situation there was there were lots of different ways that it could have gone yeah that's right I, like I, I think what what i what i had in my head was that that kind of that kind of guy who everything is 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 kind of um Come pretty easily too, and uh, and and maybe has you know has has gotten a long way on, um, on kind of uh, big talk rather than um, uh, rather rather than skills, but doesn't necessarily mean that he that that he he wasn't in the right place or anything like that. It's just he's always been able to talk himself out of situations. 
questions and it's um eventually <laughs> you know hopefully um that sort of person eventually <laughs> reaches the limits of that um <laughs> You know, not always true to real life, of course, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, and and that and, and I mean that that that's that sort of evolved because it's quite different to anyone I've I've um I've played or or try or tried to play before, which is part of the point, I guess. You know, it's um let's let's run with something different and see how it goes. Have you tended to um, kind of lean towards the same sort of player character? Because I know you do you do some GMing yourself, but when you are a player, and I understand you do a lot of playing, over the years you have done a lot of playing. Have you hmm. kind of had done the, the same types of character? Or Yeah, I mean, they've tended to be at, at root, um, I, I guess, in that, you know, play, playing playing a hero. So playing something that was more and more leaning towards that anti-hero, I guess, and um, was 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 a change. Like my my approach has always been like you know played alongside everyone's played alongside the, the um, people who will play D and D like it's like it's a you know like a tabletop game to win. As opposed to yeah. uh, you know a, 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 a game to role play, but mine was always role playing the hero rather than um, <laughs> here's a body, let's loot it, you know, like, you know yeah. let's get the the, the, mo- the most riches and we want to win and want not to yeah. die. Like to me, the the interesting part is always the role playing, not the you know the the uh, the story. So it was. I guess in that, like, I have tended to, if you're going into a um, a group, particularly a group you don't know, you go, well, okay, well, what the the thing the thing that I can control here is the as <laughs> the as the type of character that I that, um, that I'm that I'm going to be, going to be, and there's a there's a little bit of wish fulfillment in that, but you know now. Trying to trying to do something different and trying to trying to push push my own player boundaries and all that sort of stuff is um is is the interesting bit because how can you how can you do this and how can you be consistent especially if there's a character that you go I'm not going to make a safe choice <laughs> I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make the can the the I guess the narratively consistent choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you do you feel like there's um, more Jerry Mountebank that you would like to explore, or do you are you satisfied with your experience of Jerry for now? Would you like to see him come back? Oh. Would you want to do more with him? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's there's definitely some more interesting stuff there. I mean, I think there's even room for Jerry prequels. You know, like like how did how did we get to this point? How did how did Jerry yeah. get some ridiculously powerful magical items? Like, I have an idea. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of the the, um, the unfortunate thing about this dungeon leap format that we have is that after, after almost every every one, I would just want to do spin off games with all the characters that we've just met and see see what they're up to because they're always vivid and super fun. Um, yeah. So that was that was really cool. It was wonderful to have you on another episode, Jared. Um, obviously, you're part of Diceratops, so we'll we'll hear you again in another Diceratops dungeon leap adventure before too long, I'm sure. Um, this is traditionally the point where where you get to uh, like your stuff or whatever. So I don't know. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
Um, I really we encourage people to tune into the the next uh, exciting episode of Dungeon Leap. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have much good luck at the moment, but um, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully next time. All right, hopefully next time. Good stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Cool. Well, I am here with Reagan Morris of Getting Dicey, and we are. Um, I, I, we're going to talk about stuff. Let's talk about stuff. Because <laughs> we finished, we finished the lost leap of Fandalva, where you were Armalus, Armalus the elf. Tell me about Armalus. Armalus is, uh, you know, when you're trying to create a new character, you're just trying to, uh, especially um, on. Re I say relatively short notice. I say short notice because I leave things to the last minute. So when I hear about something, and then I, you know, it takes me a while to actually do it. Um, I I've never played as like a like a high elf before, and I like the pompousness of a high elf. Um, and I wanted to just lean into this kind of soft daddy's boy, like he can't do anything wrong by dad. He's always trying to impress dad. And and then obviously then the name is from instead of Legolas, we've got Arm Alyssa. It was a bit of a lazy, <laughs> a bit of a lazy naming, but uh, it worked. I liked him. I liked I think it. Was, fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a great naming convention, I think, because it, <laughs> yeah. it just, you just kind of roll with it for a while. And I certainly did. And then suddenly I went, oh, hang on a second. I, I see, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was cool. And he um he was kind of the the voice of the being out of your depth that was the the premise of the game that we set up when we were mm. um, getting it organized. We talked about how we wanted these characters to have been steered away from their kind of level appropriate aspects of the adventure and into some dangerous stuff and armless seemed to be the one who was vocally saying um are we sure about this guys yeah um, he, he yeah. wanted to go on like a normal adventure he wanted to just kill some low level things just to prove to dad he could do it like it's almost like his dad had been waiting for him to go out and and get some experience and this was his chance to just meet up with this little group of people do some really low level stuff like save some cats out of trees maybe maybe kill like one single goblin or something like that just to <laughs> say he's helped out um and so as soon as the group was just like no there's this way more we can shortcut this we can get the treasure if we just do this thing because jerry's just like no 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 we can we can just subvert all of these sort of expectations we have all of these things we're learning that's just noise let's just go for the big thing armless is just like but he didn't he didn't want to do it at all um <laughs> But he also didn't want to go out by himself. He didn't want to leave the group because that would mean he would have to try and find a way through the horrors of Faerun back to where he came from and by himself. Yeah. He wasn't ready to do that. Now, it sounds like a like a perfect setup for a starting yeah. out adventurer just beginning the quest and not, not one who would end up face-to-face -face with a great big dragon in their, their first real... <laughs> yeah. Um, moment of action. So that, of course, is the um, big set piece encounter um, in in the Lost Man of Fandalver adventure. You've you've played through or run that yeah. adventure before, is that right? Yeah, I've DM I've DM'd uh, the Lost Man. That was the first thing I, I I'd ever DM'd. So when our group got to uh, the ruins, can't remember the name. What was the name of the ruins? Uh, of the druids? Thunder Tree. Thunder Tree. That's right. Um, they uh, you know they dealt with the uh, the dusk zombies and they fought some of those spiders and the um the twig blights and stuff like that and then they found the druid and they spent a night with the druid and the druid was like yep i can tell you where to go uh but can you help me like 
clear out the cultists and they're like, mm, tell me a bit more about that. And it's like, well, there's a dragon. They're like, no, we can't help you with that. But if you <laughs> give us the information that we need, we'll come back and help once we're done. And, um, and they never did. They just, they heard about the dragon. They, they said, no, thank you. This, we're not even close to being strong enough to take on a dragon. <laughs> they got the information they needed and they just continued on with their journey. So that was, that's, see, that's the kind of thing Amalus would have loved. He would have <laughs> yeah. been down for that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really loving hearing people's experiences with this adventure because so many people have played this game, this, the starter set adventure with Vandalva. And this dragon encounter is so singular in it because, like, it's mm. it's scary. It's a, it, is. it can go yeah. a lot of different ways. It can be run as a GM a lot of different ways. The players can approach it in a lot of different ways. I don't think I've I've heard of another story that involves what you just told me there, stroking the chin and saying maybe 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 we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my team didn't venture into the eastern part of that map at all. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't venture any deeper um than the druids where the druid met them took him back to his little abode and didn't go any further didn't meet a single cultist nothing didn't even know the really like what the cultists uh, goals were nothing so it was just funny <laughs> they just went dragon no we're, we're out oh amazing yeah. now, one of the other things i really enjoyed about about our game was the dynamic that you had with uh, with zero's bonnie bell pepper have you played with zero before or was that the first time no, you've, no, you've played with it that's the first time. That was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, there was just yeah. there was like a, a nice little um, back and forth as you were developing some nice subplots there. That was that yeah, was cool that to was, experience. Like like any any strong elf, they hate anyone that's not elven, you know. And so Bonnie was kind of the as far from an elf as you could get. And so he leaned into his prejudices like straight away, um, and then kind of instantly felt bad. The moment, um, and I think I think once he started seeing that there was like more emotions between the group, because like Jerry wasn't liked by Leap, uh, and then Ciro kind of didn't like Jerry either, but Armalus could kind of see the kindness in Jerry, and so there was a lot of uh, uh, hate and discontent amongst the group, and so the moment where, that he kind of reflected that he was doing sort of the same and adding to that he he wanted to remove he wanted to backtrack on some of that wow that's yeah. that was a, a really great summation of some good character work that was going on there thank you for explicating that that's awesome that's cool yeah. well um let's let's segue smoothly from that by calling it out to um your uh, your other activities under the banner of getting dicey, where we can hear you doing similar uh, thoughtful role playing of um, arrogant elves and a billion other things besides. Um, tell mm. me about getting dicey. Um, well, so getting dicey's been around in some format since like like twenty seventeen, I think, maybe twenty sixteen, and we didn't like I I didn't uh, sort of. Uh, it was one of those things where I'd never played D&D before. Um, and uh, a friend of mine brought me in and was like, hey, we're going to have this new game that we're just going to do like a quick one shot and we'll see um, how that goes. And, and if it goes well, we'll use people and we'll go on a bigger, we'll, we'll get one of the larger campaigns. So we did this tiny little mansion-based one shot. And I was just like, this is, this is amazing. You can do like anything. And so when he suggested we could do a longer campaign, I was just like, all in. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, and so I was a player and 
maybe we were, do- we were doing Storm King's Thunder, and about six months into that, I was like, you know what, I'm enjoying this so much, I reckon people would enjoy watching what we're doing. And so I hobbled together some knowledge on streaming and I put together a real basic overlay and sort of picked a name out of the air for it. Um, And Getting Dicey was just uh, a quick kind of nothing. We didn't really talk much to the viewers. The, The style of the show wasn't that great. It was just us playing and that's really it. And, um... There was no personality. It was just all talk. You know, just go. And I really enjoyed it. And then by the time that wrapped up, John, who was our DM, was like, I, I, I don't want to DM anymore. I'd really like to play. Uh, Reagan, do you want to DM? And I'm like, I've never DM'd before. I've only ever played this one campaign. This is going to be terrifying. Uh, but I'll give it a go. And let's continue streaming. Um, and because we were streaming and I was going to DM, I put a little bit more effort into making the streaming side of it a bit more um, polished. And I created like an intro video and I was going to do recaps of every episode, like video recaps of every episode. And we did that. And I was really nervous about putting on voices for all these different um, characters, even though I do acting and stuff. Like I love being in front of the camera. That's fine. But when you've got a live audience putting on silly voices, I had a bit of sort of a self-conscious kind of moment. So I created like a little overlay with a mouth cut out so I could kind of put on voices and people weren't looking at me, they were looking at these like characters. <laughs> and that went down really well. And that's kind of the style of getting dicey now. And we've been doing it, we've done Lost Mine, we've done a bunch of Call of Cthulhu uh, sessions, we've done Curse of Strahd, uh, we've done a homebrew um, session, uh, like how, how many episodes? Are there? I think we did like 20 something episodes of uh, this homebrew thing that I put together. And now we've done like a big Christmas special just to round off the year, which was like getting all of the old crew back together for like a, a Barovian Christmas, which was which was uh, went down really, really well. And so we're heading into 2024 and I, I'm not sure what's next, actually. So oh, wow. we've um, uh, there's things I'd like to do. I think now that we have all of the original characters at like level 15, it'd be nice to maybe take because uh, um, not many, there's not much content like official content for level 15 and above. Um, but Candlekeep Mysteries has like a level 15 mystery and a level 16 mystery. So it might be good just to be able to do those just to keep the crew going for another another couple of um, missions before they sort of call it quits before we look yeah. at like bringing in all new um, <laughs> characters and possibly new players and, and see what we do there. Because we've had the same yeah. players from the start as well, which has been great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's wicked. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, like you have a thriving Discord. There, there just seems to be a lot of a lot of good buzz around getting dicey, and it's just great to see you, um, mm. uh, bouncing along and doing such cool stuff. Yeah. 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 Of course, this is a, a good moment for me to um throw out a particular thank you for. Getting Dicey's channel support for the Kiwi RPG events that we've been having, where you have been very generous hosting all, all kinds of stuff in the course of that. Um, thank you once again uh, for for what you've been doing there. That's so cool. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me along for um, this Dungeon Leap. It's, there was, a, I was a, I don't get to play very often, so it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Oh well, it was fantastic uh, playing with you, and I would do so again in a heartbeat. So um, let's let's see what the future holds for us both. Yeah. yeah all right, Reagan. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. 
This was Dungeon Leap Interlude with Ciro of Ciro Does Stuff, Reagan Morris of Getting Dicey, our own Jared Baker, and Stephen Youngblood as Leap. Thanks to Enverovechen and Alexi Action for music, and Nomi Kubomi for sounds. Thanks everyone for listening, keep spreading the word, rate and review, I know we keep asking, it keeps being important, thank you so much. Diceratops is proud to be part of Kiemu Fakato or Aotearoa Kiwi RPG. I'm Morgan Davey, we are Diceratops, we love games and our shows are for everyone.